0: Before we get into this episode, I'm so excited to let you know that we have a new way. We're gonna be staying in touch with you all. Text, we are text buddies. Text messages. Uh, We're excited because you guys will be the first to know about exclusive deals and promotions. And we're just really, really excited. So to kick off this textual relationship with you all, we wanna offer two special major discounts. The first, is merch. So you can text the word merch, M-E-R-C-H, to 380-630-30, and you'll get 50% off merch for the next few days. So take advantage. And podcasters out there, I'm really excited for you all. We are offering 50% off our launch program. So you can text the word podcast to 380 3030 30, and you'll get 50% off the program. Yeah.
1: The number is 380-600-3030 and the keywords are merch and podcast. And we're going to be using this channel in the future for more promotions, discounts, fun ways we can stay in touch. I think we are officially text friends. Yeah. Save us in your contacts. Yes. Let's stay <laughs> in touch. So again, the number is 380-600-3030. Save us in your contacts, text the words merch and podcast and get those discounts.
0: Hello, hello. Welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. What's going on? Hi, everybody. It's Lindsay and Krista. Thanks for being here. If you're new to the pod, welcome. If you're new to the pod, if you're a little blonde filer. Yeah.
1: (laughs) If you're an Ariel fan, Uh, Stan, welcome. We're happy to have you. We started almost 35 years ago when we were transitioning from our 20s to our 30s. We talk about health, wellness, spirituality, all of the things, and we're so excited about this interview.
0: Yeah, truly, and this has been a kind of a long time in the making. Yeah, I feel like just because she's so busy and our schedule is a little funky, and it was actually the I felt like the perfect timing. Yeah, perfect timing. Completely agree. It always works out that way. It always does. Yeah, I think we had it on
1: maybe a year ago, but yeah, it was such a good one. We got to we'll go into the the episode soon, but Lindsay and I were just talking before I have my wedding coming up. In one month. In one month. One month from today. I would be way further along in my fitness routine than I thought, to be (laughs) honest. I like to do it uh, Mm. close to the wire. I was trying on my dress and I was like, oh wow, there's been literally no change in my body at all. And I'm just like, okay, we got to just see where we're at, see
0: what we're working with. Yeah, I'm curious, like, yeah, it's, it, it, it's it's also about not only the day of the wedding, mm-hmm. but I can imagine like the leading up to that you're also wanting to really curate in, in the sense that there's as little stress as possible. Yes, there are going to be things that happen, normal stresses, but like, for example, that moment, like for you to just be like, yeah, okay, this is- Whatever, dude. <laughs> yeah, and you look beautiful, but like, I know what you mean. It's just like a- very intense kind of like pressure.
1: <laughs> I think I just have my whole life said that I want it. you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like the it's like the epitome of all of your eating and body stuff. It's the pinnacle. It's the climax. It's like, <laughs> yo. That or the naked issue of <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. We were gonna be in a, a magazine naked, which we still might. That one too. I mean that was almost but that no, that's no, interesting. I'm is that's photos and I'm like, oh you could have one good photo and mm. look bomb. Yes, But your, it's just so weird because it's like the programming around your wedding where it's like, you have to look your best. You have to look your best. And you're like, "It." we have so many photos taken of us.
0: I know. Like, you know
1: what? I have fucking tons of photos. You know, I just, mm-hmm. and it's not even about the photos, but um, the process actually has been really fun. And I was thinking about this with brides to be is that I wonder how much of their joy on the day and the week is because they've been taking care of themselves mm-hmm. for months. And maybe they've been super stressed. So maybe they haven't been taking care of themselves, but I've really, it's been fun to like go through this process. Cause I don't usually have things that I prepare for in this way where I'm like just caring for my body so much and really like watching what I'm eating and, you know, eating to nourish instead of like just kind of going off the rails before making sure I'm getting my steps in. So, my process for the next month is I have two lymphatic drainage massages cool. at the Tox LA. So, the Tox LA um, is in Los Angeles and they do lymphatic drainage, which is really, really helpful for just inflammation, bloating, helps getting everything that's stuck, all the toxins that are potentially stuck in your lymph system moving. And so, that can be really helpful just for overall body tone and the way that you look, anyways. And I haven't done that in a really long time. So I'll do two of those. I have, I'm doing Morpheus 8, which is that laser treatment. (laughs) Every
0: time you say it, I'm like- I love that Morpheus. You guys, it's called Morpheus 8. So it's a laser
1: treatment that is on your face and it basically tightens underneath the skin with lasers. I think I've done a story on it on my Instagram. So you guys can look at that. But I'll be doing that for overall facial tightening and that will last beyond the wedding. But I've always wanted to try it and I love lasers. They've just Mm -hmm. helped me so much. Kim Kardashian's always like, I've only done lasers. I'm like, okay, <laughs> totally.
2: okay, bitch. And then I do lasers and I'm like,
1: mm, they are very good. Mm-hmm. And then Sakara, I do my meals from Sakara, and then Daily Harvest for breakfast. I love their smoothies in the morning, which two partners that we work with uh, very closely. And then sleeping a lot, hopefully going to bed most nights at 8 p.m., meditating twice a day mm-hmm. instead of one, because that's just really helpful for your cortisol levels, for stress. I find it to help me, Um, Just be mentally more clear so that I'm not emotionally eating or emotionally reacting. I'm running more. I used to run quite a bit and I haven't been running. So I'll be running two times a week right now in addition to strength training and yoga that I'm doing. And then I'm trying to think of other beauty things that I've added to my schedule. Any extra vitamins, hair, just getting my hair done. Brows. Brows, I have a microblading appointment. Mm -hmm. Oh, a lot of people have been asking me on Instagram about my eyebrows, which I've talked about before, but I have my eyebrows microbladed. I got them done maybe a year ago and I've had them done twice since. Mm -hmm. You get touch-ups and it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. I'm thinking about it. It's the best. Because I have like, It's very um, sparse sparse on the ends. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It just, it makes them full from root to tip. It looks real. Mm -hmm. You can build them in if you want, but it just gives you a brow all the time. And, I was nervous that it wouldn't look real or it wouldn't look natural and they do and they fade. It is honestly one of the best things I've ever done. I go to Brow Clinic LA if anyone's in LA but microblading is 100 so I'll have that appointment. And then just nails and I think the last thing is just really making sure I feel really good and comfortable in all my outfits. Mm -hmm. I want to feel really confident about my looks for Cabo. So I've been working with um, my friend Kate who has a company called Something White Styling and she has been helping me pick out outfits for the entire week. So my bathing suits, my, you know, rehearsal dinner outfit and everything like that. And that's really taken a load off of finding like really good outfits that I can feel good in. Um so I've had those planned for a while because I wanted to try them on. I wanted mm-hmm. to make sure it was ac- exactly what I wanted because for so long I would just kind of be like whatever,
0: don't totally. care. I'm in a rush. It's underrated to have outfits planned. It is. It takes away so much of the stress of the like overthinking yes. of everything. And, oh yeah. And putting on
1: something. I that's love That's what that. I would do all that. We did even a photo shoot this year and I didn't try anything on before I put it in. I was like, oh yeah, this is whatever. And I got there and I was like, oh, I don't like how any of this fits. Mm. And I don't feel good. Yep. You know, you're like, oh, I don't feel good. So I was like, that is my one thing I'm going to do for myself mm-hmm. is make sure that I feel confident in each of the outfits, no matter what my body looks like, which it'll be totally fine. Like it's it's already fine. But It'll just be like, you feel confident, you feel good, yeah. you feel proud, you're like... I was like, for any time, I'm going to kind of ball out a little bit and mm-hmm. buy some pieces that I fucking love, that I feel
0: proud of, that I feel really good in. But it's been fun. Yeah, we went shopping the other day and I was like, this is so... F- I fucking love I spent a lot of money. <laughs> I ju- yeah, I just love... It's just fun. It's like such a girl thing to, you know, I'm just totally. like shopping, Shopping's but it was just best. like... It was fun to like... Look for you and then try, like, go to the dressing room. The whole, like, cheesy thing you see in Clueless is, like, fun. The best.
1: (laughs) Especially, too, I I said, I was like, I'm going to buy a nice clothes. Yes. I'm done not buying nice clothes Mm -hmm. because I
0: don't shop anymore.
1: And I spent a good amount of money and I feel proud.
0: Yes. What is money to be spent? You know, investment pieces are ones, like, we have to remember, say you're like, hey, I'm kind of done with this eventually years down the road. You could like still sell it. You yes. know what I mean? Like it's not gonna go to total waste yes. or chuck it like you mm-hmm. would a Zara or yes. whatever. So these are like pieces. Yes,
1: pieces mm-hmm. that I love and that I'll wear. And, you know, I've had really beautiful things over the years that I've invested in and I do wear the shit out of them. Yeah. You know, cause they just fit really nicely. So that's what's going on with the wedding. Very I love excited. It. Justin's like, can't
0: wait. what did I say? It's Justin doing? Oh my gosh, I know.
1: <laughs> we. I've Actually, Kate has been finding him looks too. Oh, fun. From something white styling. So he's, he's gotten his own little like Cabo looks. So is he getting a facial? I said, <laughs> I was like, yeah, there's some blackheads happening. We need to make a facial happening. But honestly, he'll get a tan and that's it, I swear. Totally. So annoying. It's cute. His wedding ring, he got silver. Oh, how hilarious. Cute. I was getting it made with a uh-huh. company called... Um, just, J-U-S-T-E. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, isn't that funny? Uh-huh. And um, he's like, I think I want that one. I'm like, silver. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm like, we can't take that wedding photo <laughs> of our two rings laying on
0: top of each other's <laughs> shoes. <laughs> you can't put it on the kitty's noses. Yeah,
1: honestly, <laughs> we can't tie it around our dog's <laughs> collar to walk down the aisle anymore. It's going to be so
0: embarrassing. <laughs> isn't it? I, I'm actually, I had a thought the other day. I was like, silver's going to come back. Completely agree. Silver's
1: gonna come back. And Tiffany and & Co. is ready to <laughs> fucking rock. They're like, we got you, bitch. Remember when that was so damn hot? Holy. Dude, that was so crazy because back then when the Tiffany & Co. Uh, heart uh, bracelets and necklace, it was like, that's how you defined style was having something that everyone else had. Yes. Which is the dumbest thing I've
0: ever heard. So dumb. I
1: actually didn't have that thing. You didn't have Tiffany? I didn't have the Tiffany's uh, silver collar necklace thing. I did. You did? Yeah. It was like $300. I I think my dad got it for me. (laughs) I think it was a huge Christmas present thing. Yeah. How much was it?
0: Yeah, I think it was something like that. $300, yeah. yeah. That's expensive. That's expensive. For like a little kid to be wearing. That's what's so problematic. I was like, I don't even know. Problematic is a dramatic word to describe, but
1: that's like problematic to me.
0: Where it's like everybody wants it and you're like a family and you're like $300. You're like, oh, What is that today for kids on like TikTok or something? The frozen uh, outfits are like $160. What are you talking
2: about? Disney,
1: Disney Frozen, <laughs> Disney Frozen. Their outfits are like one sixty. I have a friend oh, who was a kid. I had
0: a, I had a visual of like oh, Frozen outfits, like, <laughs> like, like an outfit that's like really crunchy and frozen, like a Bill, like, like a Billie Eilish a would wear. Yes. <laughs> it's happening on TikTok. Everyone's
1: frozen. They're eating Tide Pods and they're frozen.
0: Oh gosh. <laughs> but
1: I think I'm gonna do a full blog post of my. Or in the episode where I talk about my wedding. Yes. I'm going to do like a full breakdown of everything that I did for preparation from like a beauty perspective, from a wellness perspective, from like Justin and I's relationship and mm-hmm. um, and just kind of like break it all down. Not that it's like goals or anything, but I feel like it's actually been really
0: nice. Oh yeah, no, I think it's so so good for people. You know, mm-hmm. as they're going through this process, they can feel so lonely, <laughs> Yeah, you know? And yeah. it could feel like, am I crazy? Am I, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, especially your prep up until the wedding has been, mm-hmm. I've, Seamless. Loved, I've loved also seeing it. Also
1: to working with Details Darling. So I worked with a wedding planner called Details Darling you guys can find them on Instagram and they've been really, really helpful. So highly recommend if you can, um, hiring out help. Yes. Also supporting female founded small businesses. Yes. By hiring them to support you in, um, you know,
0: getting the wedding of your dreams. Truly. Okay. Truly. I'm excited about this one. So excited. Ariel Laura is here. She is uh, the founder of The Blonde Files. She's a blogger of lifestyle, fashion, beauty, wellness. And she's just, you know, her story is one that I was pretty, I knew her story on the mm-hmm. surface, but um, for her to tell us the intricate details of, you know, her sobriety journey and still kind of what she goes through now it was just really, really uh, fascinating and just really vulnerable of her. I felt yes. like we really went there and she's just cool. Like, yeah. I just, I love like how, how confident she is, how funny she is, and truly like a girl's girl. You know, mm-hmm. you felt that yeah, uh, when we met her. So she brought us bomb cookies. The best. You guys,
1: the cookies were can't, unreal. Can't. It was crazy to see them on Instagram and be like, those are so delicious. And to, for me in my head to think I'll never eat those because <laughs> I would never make them because I'm so lazy. And then I, I honestly had one. It was mm-hmm. a moment. I was like, wow, cookies I've admired are now cookies of mine. Uh And I'm enjoying them. (laughs) And they are in my kitchen. And they are in my kitchen. We ate like, oh my gosh, you guys, they're so bomb. Her recipes are amazing.
0: It was unreal.
1: And it's interesting. You know, it's just, I love to talk about sobriety because Lindsay and I are both, you know, sober curious. I didn't drink for like five years. I wasn't in recovery or anything like that, but it was just a choice that I decided to make. And I think it's a conversation more of our community is exploring about, you know, choosing activities where you're not drinking or being more mindful of your alcohol consumption or trying to cut back. And it's greatly benefited my life. And I know it's different than than her journey, which was definitely a disease, which mm-hmm. she talks about uh, deeply, but it is a really beautiful thing to be in conversation about.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And- Ariel also has a podcast which is incredible. Um it's called The Blonde Files as well. So definitely check that out. You can learn more at theblondefiles.com. Follow her on Instagram. Lots of inspo on there and thank you Ariel. We really loved having you.
1: Yeah, we did. We're also on her podcast. So you guys can oh, listen yeah. to us <laughs> on The Blonde Files. It was a really really fun when we did a yeah. podcast swap that day. So you can continue the conversation by listening to us together there. And you can find her on Instagram at Ariel Lore. And if you enjoyed this one, share it with a friend. If you found it to be inspirational, there's definitely another person in your life that needs to hear what we talked about here. And if you'd like, subscribe on Apple Podcasts and then write a kind review. We always appreciate everybody that takes time to do that.
0: All right. Enjoy this episode. And we have a few announcements on the other side. So enjoy, and we will see you soon. That's betterhelp.com slash almost 30. Okay, I need to introduce you to a revolutionary new app, um, Superhuman. it was a 7 minute really vibey writing activation that I love so I had my journal out. Um yesterday I did a pep talk uh about tackling procrastination. There's a part of me that procrastinates quite a bit. So I'm just I love this. I love this. There's going to be an activation for you for this moment for this day. Uh it's incredibly supportive. So
1: Hello, friends! I am so excited to
0: invite you to almost thirty summer sessions. Our camp series, free. It is completely free. It is our favorite event that we put on virtually every single year, where thousands of you from around the world join to feel good, feel supported, feel connected. And this year is going to be really, really special. So, Krista and I really wanted to give a an experience of the membership. In a few hours. So we pulled the parts of our membership experience, which is the our favorite thing that we pour mm-hmm. into. It's just so, so beautiful. And we wanted to give you that like kind of behind the scenes look and feel. And so we are going to be guiding you through an experience that we know will make you feel just even more open-hearted, clear, connected, and it's going to be a blast.
1: Yeah, it'll be so much fun. So when you sign up for camp at almost30.com slash camp, you will get added to our camp experience. So what you'll be receiving in your email box is parts of our membership for free. And then when we have the virtual retreat on Saturday, July 30th from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Pacific with Lindsay, myself, and our amazing guests, which we'll talk about soon, you
0: will get parts of the membership so you can feel like you're a member for a week. Yes. And our guests, we'll, we'll give you a sneak peek now. We have Shalina Ayana of Rising Woman. If you follow her on Instagram, you know, but she is just so, so special. Her new book, Becoming the One, Is incredible. She'll be doing a workshop. And we are also welcoming Queen Afua. Mm -hmm. The The queen. We had the best time. doing both
1: podcasts with both of these amazing ladies. So they will be doing powerhouse sessions with you that you will hear nowhere else. And then we have our amazing resident healer, Natalie of Love Alchemy, doing a sound bath. We might have a special meditation teacher as a guest. Lindsay and I are gonna be doing a really special, unique session. So just know that this day is completely free for you. Our intention Mm -hmm. is for you to feel less alone, for you to feel inspired,
0: and for you to get a taste of our membership, which we are opening up enrollment for during this time yeah so camp is happening Saturday July 30th 2022 10 a.m to 1 pm Pacific time it's going to be Krista and I and special guests so make sure to go to almost30.com slash camp sign up now for free share this with friends and we will see you there we'll see you soon you can
1: register at almost30.com camp
0: am a big big fan of bone broth anyone else i love it for gut health and for skin health i truly notice a difference the collagen is a miracle worker for skin for joints i just feel so good and i'm excited to introduce you to beauty and the broth so these are incredible on-the-go packs of concentrate. So broth concentrate that you add to hot water. I love bringing these on the road when I'm traveling. I love having them at home and it makes getting my collagen easy peasy. Beauty and the broth is the first shelf stable with no preservatives, single serve concentrated format of beauty bone broth. No salt added, so it's low sodium. Again, single serving, all clean ingredients, and all of the ingredients are reputably sourced. I am so excited for you guys to try. The website is thebeautyandthebroth.com. I really, really love the organic chicken bone broth. The beef is also unbelievable. The organic beef bone broth. I kind of switch it off every other day. So you add this to hot water. It is easy. You can take it on the go. You can have it at home. Y'all, your gut, your skin, your body, Overall will be so, so happy. So go to the and use our code almost30 nation for a 20% discount. I'm excited for you guys because it's so good. The Use the code almost30Nation for 20% off.
2: Everyone that I grew up with, like went to private school, went to college, and then graduated and went to New York City. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the trajectory and I didn't, which we'll get into, you know, I went into like crazy party alcoholic mode. So I feel like I'm kind of living my twenties out in mm-hmm. my thirties. Mm-hmm. So I want to like do all the things I want to live in New York city and mm-hmm. like, you know, travel and do all of that. So yeah, I, I don't know. It's just, a, I think it's an energy thing. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so you're saying like post, post college or post high school, you had kind of a different trajectory.
2: Well, I would say my the I guess the change in my trajectory happened at the end of high school. So that's when I started getting really into drinking and drugs. And I did go to Syracuse for one semester. <laughs> and at that point I was like very much into my alcoholism and my addiction and you know, I talk about this a lot, but alcohol became my solution to life as soon as I started drinking. Like it was the Thing that I never knew that I needed, that I never knew I was looking for. It felt like kind of the missing piece. And um it just became my priority, you know? It was like my primary purpose in life was drinking and maintaining some kind of like state of being that wasn't my natural state of being because I just it was just intolerable otherwise. And so I dropped out of Syracuse and I moved back home to Rhode Island. Um, I had a boyfriend that we were in a crazy relationship for a long time. He was still there and that was very toxic as well. And uh, not too long after that, I think I was 19 or 20, I got a DUI. And when I got the DUI, they... The, I don't remember if it was the court or my parents, but they said like, you can either go to rehab or you're going to have to face some consequences." And I was like, rehab. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is Rhode Island in February, freezing cold, dead of winter. And they were like, you can go to rehab in Palm Beach. And I was like, hell yeah. You're like sexy. <laughs> You're like Lindy it's Lohan's like, there yes, waiting. Yeah. It's going to be sick. <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. Um, So that was like really where I kind of veered way off the path. And so I went to rehab down there for 30 days. But at the time, like I was just doing what my friends were doing. I just happened to get caught really in a bad way. I left a party to go to Taco Bell. I was shit-faced. And I was—I did one of those like, I'm going to the bathroom and (laughs) like get in the car and go. And I almost ran head on into a cop. Um, Wow. whoa! So it was very, it was really bad. And you know, I had consequences from the beginning with my drinking. It was like, just it affected me different than everybody else. And I couldn't figure out why. I was like, maybe I need to just drink wine or like maybe I need to only, you know, I was, came up with all these ways to modify it um, and still I was always blackout drunk I was always waking up in weird places waking up in the hospital Um, so you know so I went to that rehab sorry I'm kind of jumping around and I ended up staying in Florida and then every few years were just punctuated with another trip to rehab I would try to get my life together and I always tried to change my externals You know, I couldn't look at what was really going on. I couldn't look at the inside, and I thought that if I just went back to school, or if I got the right job, or got the right car, you know, it's like all about this facade that everything else would be fixed, and um, and it wasn't. So,
1: do were you? What were you doing for work? Were you working when you're in Florida, or how were you?
2: Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was having help from my parents at the time, and people ask me this a lot, like what to do if you have somebody who's struggling with addiction and they look back on what they did and wish that they did things differently because they really kept me from hitting rock bottom. But at the same time, Mm -hmm. I was their young, early 20 something daughter living in a different part of the country. They just wanted me to be safe and they wanted to believe in me, you know, and they did believe in me and they wanted the best for me. And and they really thought, okay, she's going to go to school this time and she's going to, get this, you know, side job and and I would and then I would drop out after a month or I would get fired after a few <laughs> weeks. You know, I just could not hold anything down. My longest job that I had there was a bartender. Dream situation. It was a bar that was owned by a guy who was like one of my best friends. He was a big party or two. There were like no rules. You know, it was encouraged that we drink. It was all our friends that would go there. I could do drugs in the bathroom. That was a big part of my story because that helped me stay up all night and keep drinking. And I mean, ideal situation. And all I had to do was like show up at six o'clock at night. (laughs) And I got fired from that eventually. I mean, it was like, Mm -hmm. but I did have that job for kind of a long time. Um, But I was getting help from my family as well.
0: What made it like intolerable? You said that, you know, if you weren't drinking, it was just kind of intolerable. What was, Mm -hmm. what did that feel like and what was going on?
2: So, you know, I always felt just really uncomfortable in my skin, but I didn't know it until I drank and I felt comfortable in my skin. Mm. And I always say that it was like a spiritual experience because I remember that first drink so vividly because it was so profound. I was like... Oh, like I could exhale for the first time in my life. And once I had that, not having that was really, really tough. That part was really intolerable. And then as my life kind of unfolded and I dropped out of school and I couldn't hold down a job and I was blacking out all the time and ending up in like terrible situations and kind of experiencing these micro traumas and the shame that goes along with alcoholism and addiction that became intolerable. So it just becomes the cycle that feeds itself. I
1: think there's, and I'm thinking about when you're talking about like my experience drinking in high school and college, and even when you got um, your DUI, when you were going to Taco Bell and it's so... It's so interesting and I don't want to say funny, but I don't know what the word is that if you would have left the party and been successful and being drunk, going to Taco Bell and getting your Taco Bell in the morning, it would be hilarious You'd be like, remember when you said you're going to the bathroom, but you ended up going to Taco Bell, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny. And like, I remember drinking and being at parties, whatever. And my favorite part was the mornings where we recollected what we did the last Mm -hmm. night Mm because we were sort of making fun of ourselves. But like, what is that about that age or that experience where it's so funny when people are acting so stupid? you know like what about our like psyche or our experience that makes us really interested in talking about people acting inebriated or acting completely like zombies you know there's just like this thing that we go through in college and high school where we think that's just hilarious mm-hmm. and it's yeah. sort of part of the experience and i can't really figure it out
2: I don't know. That's a really good question. And nobody has ever asked me that before. And I don't really know what it is. Yeah, it is kind of glamorized yes. at that age, you know. And sure. um, It's like, how far can you go? Right. But mm-hmm. I think also at that age, you really don't have a grasp on consequences and you kind of feel invincible. And, you know, you just have a totally different perspective than you have as an adult. And you guys know, I'm sure, like, you get to, I don't know how old you are, Mm but 30s, Mm -hmm. late 20s, 30s, 40s, and you look back on that stuff and and it becomes scary almost, yes. you know, I look yeah. back at situations Same. that I got myself in For and I'm like sure. horrified. I'm like, how did I not get like raped yes. and mm-hmm. murdered and chopped into a million pieces yes. and yeah. put in a briefcase? Like mm-hmm. that's crazy. And taking
1: but, drugs, like we would buy drugs at oh my God. wherever and be like, sure, this, you're stranger. Perfect. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Give me so, something I'm going to ingest. I
2: think it's hilarious that I will not eat gluten now, but I would snort Anything. A hundred
1: percent. A hundred. That's Any. the biggest facts. That's the quote yeah. for this <laughs> So that's the most LA shit ever, though. Where it's like no gluten, no dairy, but like cocaine from a stranger yeah. <laughs> and like drugs from a stranger. And it's so true. I mean, I was the same for a while when I was in, when I was living in Chicago. I was doing uh, cocaine. I didn't really like. I've probably done it. 20 times in my mm-hmm. life, but I really liked um, MDMA. So I was doing MDMA when I was living in New York and Chicago probably every weekend for like two years. Mm-hmm. And I was in my phase where I was doing yoga all the time. I was working out all the time. I was eating really well, but I was doing these drugs mm-hmm. every weekend. And the concept and the idea is just so, it's so comical, yeah. you know, that we would we would think that way. But what was your drug of choice, I guess, when you were pairing like alcohol with drugs?
2: So alcohol was definitely my first love, but as I explained, you know I had consequences. I was blacking out all the time. So when I was introduced to cocaine again in high school, wow, um, that's early, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I went to this private school on the East Coast where there was like a lot of a lot of excess and not a lot of uh, parental <laughs> <laughs> yeah. guidance, maybe. And so it was. It seemed pretty common. Now I look back at like seventeen year olds and I'm like, you're a baby, you need to go home. I
1: was thinking about when I was in high school, I was a senior. I was like, I pretty much know everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really don't know what else there like, is to learn, learn about get life. I was like, I married
0: next year. Yeah, for totally, sure. Totally. Oh my God.
2: Totally. I'm ready
1: to be a mom. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> I'm ready for my life to begin. I pretty much have this whole thing sorted.
2: <laughs> yeah. When I was that age, it was like Jessica Simpson, newlyweds. And I was like, yes. I'm going to get married totally. at 21 and have babies at 22. <gasps> totally. Like, that was my That's life. That's such wow. a weird
1: thing too about- growing up is that obsession with being a young mom. Yeah, <laughs> I think there's like a glamorized idea of motherhood and being a young mom that yeah. we're sort of fed that idea. But just to get back to your story. So yeah. what was the point at which you were like, no more? Like you were like, this is essentially my rock bottom. And mm-hmm. um, for people that are listening and kind of thinking like, do I have a problem or not? Because I think- With drugs, it seems to be a little bit more clear, I guess, culturally when people have problems, there's like kind of markers that we all understand. But I think with alcohol, because it's legal, I don't think the markers are are as obvious. So what were some things that made you realize that you're like, oh, this is alcoholism?
2: Well, my story is very extreme because, you know, as I mentioned, like I got involved with drugs very early on. But those drugs had consequences too, because all of a sudden I'm up all night and I need something to come down and I have anxiety the next day and I need something mm-hmm. to manage that anxiety. But then that makes me tired, so that I need to come up. So it was like alcohol, cocaine, Xanax, Adderall. Those were like my four loves. You know, mm-hmm. I, it was like I can't pick a favorite child. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> thank you. And what happened was it was progressive. You know, I believe that I have a disease, and I know some people don't agree with that but i do and and the way that i look at it is that like it's progressive and it's terminal if i don't treat it and um and i didn't treat it and so finally by the end i was living alone in an apartment in west hollywood my boyfriend had moved out because he said like that ship is sinking and I got to jump off Mm -hmm. (laughs) and he was right. And he left in December of 2013. And from then until I got sober, February 22nd, 2014, I was in a blackout, didn't leave my apartment. I basically would lie in bed, drink and drink. And I I guess I was doing drugs. I had drugs in my system, but I don't really remember that. I had a neighbor who was a drug dealer at the time and he was coming over and uh, giving me drugs, I guess. And I would pass out, come to, drink and do drugs and pass out. I was delirious. I was snorting dust off the ground, thinking that it was drugs. I do remember that vaguely. And my parents called the West Hollywood police because they couldn't get in touch with me and they did a wellness check and they came to my apartment, looked through the window and saw me face down on the floor unresponsive. And so they had to break through the window, pull me out, take me to the hospital. I somehow got out of the hospital and went back to what I was doing. And- um, No rehab or anything? No, I did. So my my family finally got on a plane and flew across the country and they showed up at my door and I opened the door and I had a grand mal seizure and I'd been having a lot of seizures at that point. And that's when I went to the hospital and I was stabilized after a few days and then I went to treatment. And so for me, it was like very obvious. I have to be, I have to have no other options in order to be willing to make a change in my life, especially with drugs and alcohol, because like I said before that was my solution to life that was my medicine you know so it was just so hard to let go of it but I I I look back on it and I realize I was as much an alcoholic at 20 as I was when I got sober at 28 but I just wasn't ready yet and that's the thing with like Realizing you have a problem or hitting rock bottom. Everybody's bottom is different. You know, I know so many sober people and some people just feel it emotionally. Some people end up in jail. Some people just can't show up to their job. You know, it's different for everybody. So... It's kind of hard to say, but I do know that a lot of people now are kind of reevaluating their relationship with alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gotten so many messages in the past year from yes. people who are sober curious or who have just realized all of a sudden all the distractions are gone and they realize they can't go two days without having a glass of wine. And I think that that's kind of a test in and of itself. Like, can you stop for a week? You know, can you stop for a few days? And I think a lot of people are really surprised that they can't. So yeah, it's hard to say because the, the bottom is different for everybody. Yeah, I
1: mean,
0: wow. your bottom seems clear
1: to me. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. Like
1: it seems very clear. So the I mean, grand, thank
0: what, God. I mean, I really am. I'm thinking I'm like two years of a blackout. Thank God. Yo. Like nothing happened. Like, do you, do you think about that kind of on a like yeah. spiritual level? Because yeah, I'm just like two years. That's like unbelievable.
2: Well, it was two months. So December oh, to February, get, oh, 13 to 14. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I know. I was like, damn. I literally <laughs> was like, damn. what did your body <laughs> look <laughs> like
1: being in bed that long? <laughs> Holy. Oh
2: my God. All right. right. Chubby, cut that. Yeah, honestly. Like, she's not she's listening. listening. But, okay. but two months <laughs> is a long time too. I mean, too. that is a long time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What's a grand mal seizure? So it's it's a seizure, but it's like a very long one. So it's Whoa. like- I think mine was like three and a half minutes or something really wow. long. They were surprised that I didn't have brain damage. They had no idea what to expect when I woke up and I was having a lot of them. And the crazy thing is <laughs> years before I got sober, I would have seizures and like come to and keep drinking. I mean, and that's the thing for me drinking. Did people see you? Yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot of my friends at that point were more interested in partying too and didn't really have my best interest at heart, but it was really kind of a primal thing. You know, the drinking and the doing drugs was more important to me at a lot of times than eating, Mm -hmm. sleeping. And it was hard because I didn't want to be doing it. I was like, you know, I'd wake up in the morning and be like, I am not going to drink today. Mm -hmm. Today is the day. Mm -hmm. And... By three o'clock, I'm like, well, I'm just going to go to the store and get a bottle of wine. And then, like, I have that bottle of wine. And then I'm like, well, I'm just going to have another. And then I'm calling my dealer. And, you know, I just couldn't not do it. Um, and again, that added to kind of the shame spiral. And it's hard, though. I think a lot of people look at addiction or alcoholism and think it's a choice. And for sure, it was a choice for me to first ever pick it up. But beyond that, like it was really a survival thing, you know, and I had so many traumas by the end of it, big and small, that it was like my reality and with any kind of clarity was just to go back to the beginning, intolerable. I mm-hmm. had to I had to numb it with something.
0: What made sobriety stick this last time? And like, what does your support system look like?
2: So I was definitely ready. I went to a lot of good rehabs along the way and somebody, actually Lauren asked me yesterday on the Skinny Mm -hmm. Confidential, like, what was it about the last one? Was it better? And it really, it was just that I was done. I knew when I kind of came to in that hospital that I was done and that Mm -hmm. if I drank again, I would die. And, uh, And I didn't know what sobriety would look like, but I was willing to not do it my way for once. And so I was in rehab for three months in Utah and uh, and Mary-Kate and Lindsay went there. They weren't Sexy. there when I was there, but that's why I chose it. Perfect. <laughs> I was like, still kind One of- One stipulation. Yeah, you have
1: your, your little boots packed. You're like, I'm ready.
2: <laughs> it's so funny. I think back to it and my family came to the hospital and they're like, you have three choices for rehab. You can go to Promises in Malibu. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't want to be in LA. Mm -hmm. You can go to this place in Arizona where I'd already been. And they were like, or you can go to Cirque in Utah. And I was like, I think that's where Lindsay went. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, that's my idol. So that's where I went. So I was there for three months. I came back to... California and I did another three months at like kind of an extended treatment. And then I was in sober living for six months. So my first year of sobriety, I was in kind of a sober mm-hmm. environment with a lot of support. And I was really fortunate to have that. Um, what What's sober living? Sober living, they have them all over the place in California and in other states too now, but it's kind of like Where I was living, it was a house off Montana Avenue in Santa Monica with like 10 bedrooms. And it's a bunch of women living there who are trying to get sober. And they have kind of support staff and they, you know, take you to meetings and help you get a job and just kind of. I am juggling quite a bit lately. I have a new baby
0: um, six months in and uh, we are finishing our book and running a business and a marriage and a house. And um, it's just a lot, but everything is all good and just my dream, but it's a lot. But I have found that if my health Right now is the time. Symbiotica.com, C Y M B I O T I K A. Use our code almost 30% off site wide. So major. And then when you bundle and subscribe, which I highly recommend because you never want to run out of anything, uh you're going to get an extra discount. So just do it up. Symbiotica.com and use the code almost 30 for 20% off site wide.
2: Help support you as you get your life back together. And so I did that and it was kind of like a safety net, you know. I knew at that point that I wanted to be sober. And even in the beginning of sobriety, I was like astonished by the fact that I could like go to the grocery store without drinking a bottle of wine first. Mm-hmm. And I got a new car. I mean, when I got sober, I had nothing. No car, no apartment. And I remember getting my first car in sobriety and having like valid registration. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. And like having a valid, you know, insurance and license and all of that. And I just really, I got a foundation here in LA. There's a lot of sobriety here. I think that we kind of have an advantage because it's so health conscious here too, mm-hmm. that like there's such an emphasis on like living clean and spirituality and all of that. And, you know, so I found my people and that was really important. And then a couple of years into it, I got super into meditation that changed my life so profoundly I got in a relationship with my husband. He's sober. That really kind of enhanced my my sobriety and my spiritual life and all of that. And um, I just, I just get further and further away from that girl and I have so much compassion for her, you know, but it's like, I feel like I got a second chance at life and it's just so, it's just crazy. And you know what? I just realized mm. as I'm sitting here looking at you, Tell I remember more. when you were a soul cycle instructor in oh Santa God. Monica. Hell yes. I used to go on Sundays with my girlfriends because yeah. we loved you. And I remember going on like my one year sober anniversary. Oh my God. We were like, let's do a ride in Lindsay's class. And we went. And I think I came up to you after and I was like, I'm a year sober. Thank you. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So it's very, That's I'm like chilled, like wow. sitting here because I just had that memory.
0: Wow. Yeah. How many years is it now?
2: Seven. What
0: a
1: good way to celebrate it, soul! Wow, that was a, six years ago. Yeah, <laughs> well, you're you're old, yeah. Lindsay. Wow. Um, this <laughs> is something cool. that I want to ask from like a non-judgmental perspective, but like a curiosity perspective, because I I'm trying to figure out the correlation between like having access to a lot of money and like addiction. And do you? So it's like interesting because your access to money prolonged your addiction because it enabled you in a way to get drugs and drink and live in Florida and, and live these places, but then it also helps you in your recovery, you know, cause you're able to go to these places. What do you think that like tie is of access? And, you know, a lot of people at the private school were also doing drugs too. And how was that, like, how have you thought about that? Does it, you've seen it as something as beneficial to you or that has been harmful?
2: I think it's really what you do with it. Um, I definitely grew up with people that had access and had excess and never got involved in drugs. And, you know, I think that also with the alcoholism and addiction, there is a genetic component to it, although nobody in my family has it, but I just feel for whatever reason, I'm just a really sensitive person and and an anxious person. And so, you know, I was just kind of ripe for that. And I don't know that it had so much to do with the the environment. Um, Although it did make it a lot easier, you know, to To have access to everything. And then with getting sober, you know, I was so lucky to go to these treatment centers, but you can also get sober for free. And finding a recovery community, you know, I try to adhere to the traditions and not talk about it on like a public level, but um, there are groups that are so amazing. And I know so many people who got sober without going to treatment, and money can can really help. And it can also really harm you. I mean, people love to say to me online, like, oh, well, it's so easy mm-hmm. for you to get sober because like you, mm-hmm. you know, your husband are... and I'm like, first of all, I got sober before him, but I do know that I was privileged and, you know, and my parents were willing to pay, but I'm like, if money could, could cure alcoholism. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at all these people mm-hmm. who are wealthy and And die from it. So Mm -hmm. I think it's really, yeah, like it's really what you do with it. Mm -hmm.
0: Every single day, whether I take it with cold water or I put it in my smoothie, I have Athletic Greens. This is a staple in my routine. It is a staple in what I am putting in my body and for good reason. I'm sure you've heard about it, but AG1 by Athletic Greens is the category leaning superfood product this brings a comprehensive, super convenient daily nutrition to everybody. So this is one single scoop. Let me tell you what's in one single scoop. It's going to absolutely blow your mind. It has 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and more in that one scoop, that one serving per day. Uh, All of their ingredients are of the best quality. They are obsessed with making sure it's high quality, bioavailable. I've trusted them for years. They've been a partner of the show for years and for good reason. We've heard from so many of you out there who have started using athletic greens in your routine, and it's just, it just changes everything your digestion, your skin, your energy. And this is in one scoop. I'm going to say it many times because sometimes we get overwhelmed with taking all the supplements, keeping it all straight. If you're someone who would want to get a comprehensive uh, support within one scoop, vitamins, minerals, whole food supplements, this is for you. It's also great just to fill in nutritional gaps. Um, I've recommended it to many people in my life who you know, I feel like are wanting to, you know, really support themselves, support a healthy lifestyle to nourish their bodies, but don't know where to start. This is a great way to start. Plus it sets the tone for everything else you do really sets the tone for other healthy habits. So go to athleticgreens.com slash almost 30 again, athleticgreens.com slash almost 30 to take control of your health. And with your purchase, you are going to get a free one year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. Those travel packs I take with me everywhere. So with your purchase, you're going to get free once a year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. Go to athleticgreens.com slash almost 30. It is summer and I am out and about. My shoes must be comfortable. They must allow my feet to breathe. I cannot get blisters. You know, summer blisters, they just ruin a party and they must be cute. And so I'm so glad that I found Rothy's. Uh, If you haven't heard about Rothy's, stop right this Minute okay, this is the perfect shoe for everything from commuting to traveling to a little party. They take sustainability to the next level. All of their products are knit with thread made from plastic water bottles. They've repurposed around 125 million water bottles so far, and I just am obsessed with this brand. They make incredible shoes. They make bags. Uh, check out all of their goods at rothiescom But I wanted to shout out my favorite is The Point right now. So I got these little honeys in bright red. I also got them in this just Freaking darling soft orchard color. It's like a light purple, and they are so, so cute with like shorts, with pants, with skirts. I love them so much. I also got Sean the driving loafer. So, this is a men's shoe. It is a loafer. It is so comfortable. And he loves them. I got them in barley, the like kind of like a nice light tan color, and they go with everything. So I'm really excited for you to try Rothies. It's the perfect summer shoe. And best of all, best of all, you can wash them in your washer. It's so. Awesome. So don't worry about getting them a little dirty, a little scuffed. Don't worry. Throw them in the washer. It's amazing. Your new favorite shoes are waiting. Discover the versatile styles you can wear absolutely anywhere and get $20 off your first purchase at rothys.com slash almost 30. That's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash almost 30 for $20 off your first order. What about, so you mentioned meditation. What were like some of the foundational practices that you started to implement in order to support you through this? And what about them kind of like opened you up on a more spiritual level?
2: Mm -hmm. So again, kind of finding that community, a community of like-minded people who have been through the same thing Mm -hmm. where you have that camaraderie. Mm I think so much of my addiction was like hiding behind this facade and I kept adding layers to it. The more shame that piled up, the more I had to hide. And that is really suffocating. And so when I got sober, it was so important to find people who I could just share openly with and let that shame go, you know, because that's what really feeds the cycle of addiction and alcoholism. So that was like first and foremost, huge. And getting in touch with a spiritual, I don't know what to call it, just a spiritual side of myself. You know, I i never had anything that anchored me. I didn't grow up religious. I, I was the center of my universe and I relied on myself and I kept failing myself. And so it was so hard to find any kind of peace and security. And so, you know, I, I got, I had, to, I had to find something to anchor me and I found that through meditation, but it took me a few years of like doing all kinds of different apps and this and that. And then I finally landed on TM, Transcendental Meditation, which I kind of, I feel like whenever I talk about it, people are, their eyes glaze over like, okay. Um, but it was so, so profound for me. I feel like that too with meditation, like they're like,
1: what's your yeah. biggest hack? I'm like, meditation, I know you don't want to hear it. Yeah. But like, cause it is, it's like, it feels like old. It feels like drink water, Yeah, you know, like rest. Mm -hmm. Like it feels very unsexy Mm -hmm. and you want to always have like the sexy new thing or the thing that people can buy or the thing that's like 2021 or interesting, but it really is. It's like, it's the most profoundly transformational thing. And you finding that spirituality and finding that purpose, you know, is huge too because, and I'm even stepping more into that of realizing that it's not me that's, this isn't i don't need to pull on myself always for strength or mm-hmm. for guidance or for hope or for direction or whatever that there is something bigger that i can lean on and that there is like strength i can garner from god or from source and to know that is so like such a relief you know and mm-hmm. and meditation is i think such a beautiful gateway to spirituality because you finally can hear yourself totally. and you finally can separate yourself from your programming, from your identity, Mm -hmm. from everyone else. And before I was meditating, it was like, I was having so many problems with anxiety and loop thoughts. It was like, I couldn't catch myself. Like I couldn't Mm -hmm. catch them and I couldn't slow them down. And I felt like I was a prisoner. I was like, oh, I'm a prisoner inside my mind and I'm a prisoner in this life and when i was able to finally like peel back and like slow that down it's like oh that's where i am i'm underneath all of that i'm underneath all of that and meditation has been so beautiful for that for your spiritual practice then with meditation like what else
2: do you consider part of spirituality for you so you mentioned like god or a source i definitely i have a god of my understanding right so i don't really it changes and it evolves but yeah i had to really Find something else that was my source, and I love that you said that because I have friends who are sober who always remind me, like Chuck, my husband. He's not your source, mm-hmm. you know. My bank account is not my source. My job is not my source. My friendships, my family—like mm-hmm. there has to be something else because these things are all changing, right? And um, and and they can go away one day, and then what? So that was like the biggest thing, and. And yeah I loved what you said about meditation because it just helped me to see to see things really clearly and to feel that connection really clearly. I like how people say like prayer is prayer is the asking and meditation is the answering. So mm-hmm. even though my concept of like my god is changing all the time, I still will like pray in the morning, I do some readings. I do some journaling and then I'll meditate once like everything out of my, everything in my brain is kind of out. And when I meditate, I can kind of feel that like power coming in, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. You feel yourself, it's like, oh, yeah. it's happening. And then I do another meditation in the afternoon because that's how mm-hmm. TM is. It's mm-hmm. twice a day. And that one is like crazy. Really? It's mm-hmm. like a natural drug. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm it's like my natural Xanax. It's so it's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel I always feel really connected in that one. So mm-hmm.
0: when you met Chuck, I'm just curious, like, did you have any anxiety around being in a relationship after all that you've been through? Mm-hmm.
2: No, I really felt ready. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been in a relationship. I mentioned the guy that I was with before I got sober. He moved out, and then when I got to rehab, of course, we got back together, as you do. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: one, drug, one drug's gone, but yeah, you lose
2: them all. I was like, "Ooh, I can't feel feelings." Like, <laughs> no, <laughs> totally. I need something. And um, and we ended up staying together for my first year, and then I don't know. I don't want this to come across the wrong way, but you know, water seeks its own level, and out of year sobriety, like. I was in a different place than him. And so we ended up breaking up and then I stayed single for I guess a year. Yeah, it's hard to remember the timeline. Um and at that point, you know, I just did so much work on myself and lots of therapy and I really came to just love being alone. I love my husband, but I miss it sometimes. <laughs> Oh, totally. I'm like such an independent person. Totally. I'm like, oh, I miss having like an apartment where I mm-hmm. could just go home and like nobody's there. Totally. <laughs> I know just whenever he has
1: like stuff with his friends, he's like, is that okay? I'm like, it's yeah. okay.
2: It's really more than okay. My husband's like, I'm going to go golfing today. I'm like, yes. No, honestly, <laughs>
1: totally. <laughs> like, take
2: your time. Do you want my car? Yeah. <laughs> go for it. Um. Yeah. So I really came to like love that time. And then I just felt like I was ready you know, And I did the app thing a little bit. And that was interesting being like 30 years old in LA, sober, trying to date a bunch of fuckboys on like Bumble. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of fun. There, was, there were a couple of fun ones, but um, my husband and I had known each other for a while because he's mm-hmm. sober too. And so we knew each other through like mm-hmm. mutual friends and we would see each other around you know, it was weird. I was, I had to go to therapy and be like, do I have a daddy issue? Like mm. what is going on? Cause he's twice my age, but I just felt like there was some kind of pull there. Um, and I wait, just, that's
1: fascinating. What, yeah. what, what it was like, what was discovered in therapy?
2: She basically was like, no, I don't think you have a daddy issue, really? <laughs> but I just, yeah, I, I think that, I think there is a part of me and I think there's a part of everyone who wants to, Security For sure. And I've always been attracted to older men for that reason. Not twice my age older, but, you know, men kind of mature at a different rate than women, I think. And I like a guy, you know, five, five, 10 years older. But there was just, there's something about Chuck, the way he, the way he carries himself, which I'm sure comes from experience and age and, you know, his position in life. He's just very, very confident, but he's like gentle and he's... He's so wise. I mean, I feel like I have a husband and a mentor, you know? I'm just mm. like, give me advice. Tell me what to do. So yeah, so I decided to make a move and that was it. Wow. So you made a move on him. I made a move what on him. What did that him? look like? I yeah. he said,
1: I listened to your episode of you guys together. And he was like, she
2: was, she was very, very... Assertive.
1: <laughs> it was sweet. It was like he was like very flattered by it. It was sweet. He's
2: very like shy. Uh-huh. And he he was like why Why are you interested in me? What is this? Yeah. So you know, I was ready at that point, and I just kind of had this attitude of like, what's the worst that can happen? And I still have that attitude now, like kind of fearless. I mean, I deal with anxiety and fear daily, but I really try to like turn it over to the universe mm-hmm. and just work through it and. Yeah, I was like, I'm 30 years old. Like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? He's going to say no. And like, then I move on. Fine. Big deal. And we would normally see each other a few times a week, same nights. And so I decided I was going to make the move. And I wrote my number down on the back of like a valet ticket. And I was like, I'm going to see him tonight. And I went and I didn't see him. And then I was like, well, I'm going to see him on Wednesday. And I went and I didn't see him. And for like a month or two, Every time that I thought I was going to see him, I he was not there. And you are like,
1: I cannot get ready this much. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, I cannot be getting ready for two yeah, months I was like, straight. Oh,
2: excited and then like let down. <laughs> yes. um, but it's great because he always says like the timing was perfect. Mm-hmm. He was like, if it had happened at any other time, like I wouldn't have been ready and I wouldn't have been willing to jump in. And this is actually kind of interesting too. He said the day, the day of the night that I gave him my number, he was driving. He was like leaving work or something and he was behind a truck and the truck was all white and it just said Ariel on it.
0: (laughs) Just like crazy. So when
2: I gave him my number and he is like, not woo woo. He's like, I don't even want to tell you this because you're going to go analyze it. (laughs) 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 Um, But then I gave him my number and he was like, what? It was just so weird. Wow. Yeah.
1: How do you deal with, because of the age gap and because of his position in Hollywood and everything like that? Like, how do you deal with Do you get a lot of comments? Like, has there been a process for you of feeling uh, like where you don't feel like you need to explain yourself and your life and you don't need to prove anything to anyone?
2: Yeah. You know, from the beginning, we were both a little bit trepidatious initially, him more so than me. Why do you think that is? I I don't know, actually. I think he just cares more Uh about what it looks like. He didn't want to look like the creepy older guy. Whereas I was like, I don't care. It totally. like a trophy <laughs> wife, <with>, whatever. <laughs> um, but we both were kind of just like people are going to talk, big deal who cares, you know. Neither of us are going to let what other people think dictate our lives and that's really how I felt. I was like I don't really care what people say. I would rather, I don't know, I would rather look back and be like, yeah, I did something crazy. I took a risk. I followed my heart, you know, than to not do something because of other mm-hmm. people's opinions. And uh, I kept... He's very private. I kept him off my Instagram for the first couple of years that we were together. I still maybe have only posted him like twice. Like I don't put him on there. But it wasn't because of judgment. I just was trying to respect his privacy. But when I finally like revealed him, I didn't really get any comments. I did get a lot of backlash one day when Fox News ran some article about him. And they were like, by the way, he's married to this 31 year old at the time, Instagram influencer, and here's her Instagram. And they like linked everything. And so it was Mm -hmm. just like dangling red meat. And I got, that day was so hard because it was the first time that I've experienced that kind of like just the most vile, hateful things you could ever imagine people writing. So that was really difficult. But I also knew like, well, these people are just looking for someone to be angry at. and
1: Also like stuff like that. Like, what's the point? Like, how does this, this is the whole thing that the media does. It's like, we have this person that we want to paint a narrative about and Mm -hmm. we want to paint this narrative about them. That means they are X, Y, and Z. And- Almost like they work backwards. Yes. It's like, how else can we do that? Oh, we believe that having a young wife that looks this way. And like, you know, most people in America, like they wish they could Mm -hmm. have this situation or whatever. And it's like- That has nothing to do with anything that would be relevant to that story. And it's absolutely ridiculous. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Like, could you guys ever do legal things or like you just, are like whatever?
2: I mean, I went to Chuck and I was like, I can't believe this. And I was like texting the Warner Brothers publicity guy, like we're having a PR nightmare. And he's like, not my publicity. (laughs) (laughs) And everybody was like, okay, it'll go away tomorrow. Like next news cycle. It's like not a big deal. Which is kind of hard. It's a little bit invalidating because you feel like um, you feel like they're just coming for you, and it felt very personal. But it's just so reductive, you know. Mm-hmm. And I get it. I mean, I get that it looks different. We're not used to seeing it necessarily. And sometimes I'll see like an older guy and a much younger girl, and and I'll have like a kind of a reflex judgment, but. We kind of laugh about it. I mean, if you listen to the podcast, mm-hmm. I was like, people think I'm your trophy wife. He's like, you are. Yeah. <laughs> like we're in on the joke, you know? We're like, okay, next. I mean, it's such low yeah, hanging fruit. Totally. It truly, truly totally. is. Totally.
0: Did, did you have to have like a conversation with your family or were they like, oh, yeah. cool? Like, what was that, that conversation like?
2: They were worried. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> mm. They were initially very worried. They were just... They were worried that he was going to hurt me. You know, mm-hmm. they saw a power dynamic, I think, in mm-hmm. their minds. Um, and that's another interesting thing. I think people are like, well, he's so like powerful and whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm young and I have, I see, I feel like I have more power sometimes mm-hmm. <laughs> um, You're like, Look at my the dynamic. Yeah. <laughs> <Compared to this. laughs> I mean, it's just different, but I never at any point felt like, well, I'm submissive to him mm-hmm. and I'm, and he's so powerful. Oh my God. But, you know, I think my family was worried that, he was some kind of predator and that he was more mm-hmm. powerful than me and that I was going to get hurt. And I was still only a couple of years sober. And so they were still nervous, like that I was fragile, um, even though I wasn't. So yeah, so they were nervous. My dad came out to visit me when we were first... Oh no, actually my mom came out to visit alone and I introduced her to him. And of course they're like same generation and they <laughs> and he's so smart and so charismatic. And so she just fell in love with him mm. instantly. And she was like, Oh, when we, when you see you together, it's not weird. And so she co-signed, and then my dad came out, and my dad and him are like they have a bromance. Mm-hmm. It's Aww. very sweet. So that's sweet. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's so funny how society will
0: like. We look at people and we're like, "Oh, what do you do?" Mm-hmm. And then we yes. just label people as what they do, and then we kind of then assess, "Okay, how powerful are you because of what you do?"
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And you know, no one is inside of your home in the day to day in the relational dynamic and seeing like how, for example, sensitive Chuck might be mm-hmm. and how like powerful and assertive you might. Be. You know, it's just like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's what's so interesting about especially Hollywood and or now. Social media and influencers are more of this—the modern day celebrity—and just making those assumptions based on what we see. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I can just imagine that that can be hard. Do you guys have like convers like check-ins? Like, what is your? Do you have any things that you do on a regular basis to kind of maintain the health of your relationship?
2: Yeah, so it's it's a little challenging right now. You know, being together twenty four seven. He he's. He's used to a certain momentum and a certain, Mm. Mm -hmm. he just has this drive, you know, And he's still right now he has seven shows on TV, but he's doing it all from home. But initially it was really hard for him. It was hard for him to like be home and not be going to work and not be around that energy. And, you know, there have been points in quarantine where we're like roommates, you know, Mm -hmm. and then we have to come together and be like, Hey, Mm -hmm. you know, we need to like Work on us and make time for us, and so we'll do things like do a weekly check-in on Sunday because we're both the the type of people who can kind of get immersed in our work and just sweep things under the rug, and then before you know it, six months later, it's like you know I'll say uh, you didn't load the dishwasher, and it turns into like Mm -hmm. this enormous thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So we just try to kind of hash things out, be be open, communicate with one another. A lot and do check-ins. I was talking about this with um,
1: my fiance, Justin, about like the idea of when we're home, it's like the difference between like true peace and like peace. It's like we can be home working and we're each doing our own thing. But if there's like beef that we have with each other, it's like peaceful, Mm -hmm. but it's not like true peace. Mm -hmm. And how so often it's like having the conversation about like who's going to do dishwasher for the month or for the week or who's gonna do this, who's gonna do that. And just like having that clarity of conversation and understanding in their relationship provides people, although it's uncomfortable at that time, that sense of true peace. Mm -hmm. And that true peace is so different than like being quiet or kind of just being in your own space. And it's something that like, it's not easy, but it's always so much better to seek that than just seeking like sweeping stuff under the rug Mm because most people have everything under the rug. Um, I want to talk about um, body, body stuff, body and eating and diet because I love when you speak about that. That's sort of what I connect to you most on, and what I find to be most helpful and relevant. And I really related to a lot of your parts of your story. And I wanted to talk about, you know, I've heard you talk a lot about you were doing a program, and it was really focused on um, like the before and after photos. And there was this situation where you had your was it the before and after shared? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then it was really that chase and that focus on that. So, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, your journey with your body and nutrition over the years um, and what that was like?
2: Yeah. So it started because I wanted abs. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> you know, I was a couple years sober. I've always been petite, but I I never at that point I hadn't been working out, and I had gone from being really emaciated to you know eating normally and stuff and and I just didn't feel comfortable in my body it's kind of like I went from one end of the spectrum to to the other and this is in 2016 i guess this is when i started my my instagram account which then was the launching board for everything else and that's when bbg was really big and it it is still big but at mm-hmm. the time Instagram was different. Social media was different. You know, you could mm-hmm. you could hashtag BBG and get five thousand followers off of that. You know, that kind Aren't of doing today, Damn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Good I idea. Selfie
2: and I'm like <laughs> BBG <idea>. girl. <laughs> but with the program, you were encouraged to track your progress and to take before and afters. And you know, this is another thing. This is a whole other conversation. But those before and afters still. The algorithm loves it. Yes. Um, loves I it. archived all of mine because I was like, I don't even want to have that on my feed anymore. It's not what I'm about. I don't want to be comparing myself to myself, and I don't want other people to be comparing themselves to me, especially when I was, you know, at unhealthy points in that journey. But It's crazy. I'm like, you just you put a side by side, and Instagram is like, oh, 100 go viral.
1: (laughs) We always say that with um, reels. It's always reels of selfie, selfie face reels. Yeah, and if you notice, like on your Explorer page, I always talk to Justin about this about like algorithm and AI and how they can really tell if someone's like attractive or not Mm -hmm. via AI. Also with likes and stuff like that, but it's on TikTok as well because if you look at your feed, it's like these are all by standard beauty attractive. And how does that just happen? Because there's a lot of people taking selfies all the time.
2: Well, I think that there was a big scandal with TikTok that hasn't really been getting a lot of traction, but that they they have worked it into the algorithm that they prefer certain body type, you know, super thin. They prefer like I think I think they were saying it's racist, like they don't want fat people. They don't want people of color. They don't want people with disabilities. Mm. They said there was some kind of internal memo, I think, that said like they they think it looks messy. Wow! So, yeah, so the, yes, that's a whole other TikTok. thing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I was doing BBG. I I was I didn't know really what it, what wellness was. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what health looked like. I thought that it just meant having abs and like mm-hmm. being in shape and having this kind of after body. And so I, I pursued that, but I did it all wrong. At least it was wrong for me, and I was very restrictive. And of course. Restricting leads, at least for me, to binging, and and so I was all over the place. And finally, again, I had to kind of hit a rock bottom with that, where you know I had been counting calories, tracking macros for years. I was doing these really hard workouts. I was restricting a lot of food groups, and um, and I I look at pictures now, and I was. A rail, but at the time that's not how I experienced it. Mm-hmm. At the time I was like, okay, I'm gonna cut my macros more because I'm gonna get this spot in my arms that I don't like. And I'm and it's like the the goalpost keeps moving and it's never enough, ever. And I was so miserable because I was obsessing over food and exercise. That was like it consumed my mind. Mm-hmm. And so I hit a rock bottom with that. And I had gut issues and I like wasn't getting my period and I had no energy. I was fatigued all the time and I really had to slow down. And actually I kind of stopped working out for maybe like six months. I would go on walks and stuff, but my body just could not handle it. And I had to re-evaluate my entire relationship with exercise and with food and learn how to be gentler with myself mm-hmm. and learn how to be intuitive, which took years. Intuitive eating is such a trendy thing right now, but it's like, there's there's no quick fix, you know? And it was a lot of trial and error for me. And meditation played a huge role in that, mm-hmm. not to go back onto mm-hmm. that um, topic again, but it really taught me to get in touch with myself and to, and to hear my body's cues and to tune into my energy and... Yeah, it's like I did a total 180. I had mm. been trying to stuff my body into this mold and somebody said to me, maybe what you think you should look like and what your body wants to look like at its healthiest are two different things. And I was like, oh, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it never dawned on me and that really changed everything for me.
0: Listen up for two days only. That's right. Two days. You are listening to this within the two-day period that the membership is open for enrollment. Consider this your sign. If you've been thinking about joining the Almost 30 membership, if you've been thinking about joining the Evolution and really supporting yourself in your own growth and really connecting with a community for transformation and friendship, please, please check out the Almost 30 membership. It is for you. What's so cool is that we have tiered out the membership. So really, you can choose your own adventure for your own needs and budget. So you can learn more at almost30.com slash membership. But y'all, I'm so excited. We have, of course, our special member downloadables every single month. We have bonus episodes for you that are never before heard. Live hangs and Q&As with Krista and I. and movement sessions, community and connection. We have special giveaways and discounts, and we are doing live events. So stay tuned for that. It will be absolutely free for members. Uh, And of course, our members workshops. We have one to two per month with incredible thought leaders and guides and experts to lead us in transformation. And I cannot wait to welcome you. It is a blast in there and we're just waiting to welcome you. So almost30.com slash membership. You have two days to join. It is such a special place. Do not hesitate. I promise you that this will be an investment you look back on and just hold with so much pride. Almost30.com/slash membership to learn more now. There's so many like trends, diets, workouts, body types coming at us every single day. Like, I, you know, we're in our 30s, but like, I think about kids seeing that Mm -hmm. and like just dissecting their own bodies and. I remember myself, we talk about it a lot, like in our teens and 20s, like doing the freaking master cleanse and special K diet or Mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, it continues to be even in my 30s. Like, you know, I have a much deeper appreciation for my body now, but the information's still coming. And it's hard some days. Like if you catch me on a low day, I might go down a rabbit hole of like, well, maybe Mm -hmm. I should do this or, Mm -hmm. you know, but the slowing I experienced- Last year, just not being able to work out in the group fitness classes, quitting soul cycle, and just being on the other side of like just intense activity every single day all day, and yeah, I just i I finally could hear exactly mm-hmm. what my body needed, and it was very different from what i was from what I was doing to it um, how do you you know being someone who is on social media and has such a big following and I'm sure getting a lot of questions about health, wellness, everything in between. Like how do you just kind of manage, manage like your own evolution in the public eye? Because I think for me and both of us, like it changes. What we're interested in, what works for us can change. So has it been hard to do that? And how do you kind of manage that relationship with your following?
2: I think, you know, my, my social media, it's always been about my evolution from the beginning. It was like, even though it started as a fitness account, it was my evolution trying to get healthy and my evolution as a woman in sobriety and my evolution from a single person to somebody who's married and my evolution as a businesswoman. all these different things. And, you know, I really connect with like fallibility. I love seeing people's mistakes and I I love to see people learn from adversity and and change and um so you know, I I've kind of built my my brand I guess on that and I don't want to be anything other than authentic, you know? I did that for so many years that I just, I just can't do it. I have to honor mm-hmm. myself. And I think my followers, I have a lot of people that followed me early on and they'll send me messages like, I just want to say I followed you during the BBG days and it's been so cool to see how you've evolved. So I think they appreciate that. Mm, yeah. and, um, and, and people don't want to see perfection anymore. And people don't want to see people who, I don't know, pretend that they have it all together. And so I've always tried to just Convey, you know, that like I am imperfect. I make mistakes all the time. What works for me six months ago doesn't work for me now. And there's so much information, saturation in the wellness world. And, you know, I really try to um, impart on other people that like, you know, we're always changing. There's bio individuality. Really try to tune into yourselves and figure out what works for you. Because I did that that thing before where I was trying to just do what other influencers were doing and do someone else's diet and do someone else's workout. And kind of to your point, Lindsay, it's hard when you're, if you're scrolling Instagram and you see like some perfect picture, you, you naturally want to know what they're doing, but um, it really just was kind of like a futile pursuit for me.
1: With diet nutrition and diets, you know, it's interesting. I was thinking about intuitive eating and I'm like, I think it's obviously the best thing for people, but I just sometimes am like, it's not that easy. And it's actually not that easy for myself. And I know it's not that easy for other people because it's like, if you tell someone, hey, just eat intuitively, Mm -hmm. (laughs) people are like, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. Like how, like I have a connection to my intuition, but my connection to my body is not as clear. And I think for so many people, it's actually really hard to eat intuitively because food and your emotional state and everything that's going on in your relationship to food is so much greater than just like, hey, eat this, eat that. Mm -hmm. So what has been your like emotional and spiritual relationship with food and what have you uncovered through your process?
2: I'm definitely a stress eater. I like to obviously stuff my emotions, numb out my emotions. And I did that for so many years, you know, when I was really into binge eating, because I would get home at the end of the day and, you know, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock rolls around and it's just me and uncomfortable things come up. And so I really managed that with food for a long time until I got to the point where I was so sick of feeling like shit and sick of my own shit that I wanted to make a change. I hit a rock bottom with that. But the intuitive, eating aspect is really tough. And I have people ask me all the time, like, well, my body intuitively wants to eat the whole bag of chips or the whole sleeve of Oreos or whatever it is. And there are so many different components to that. But what helped me most, again, is like slowing down around eating. I mean, I think so many of us eat with our phones, eat in front of our computers, eat in front of our TVs, eat in our car. Um, we're distracted all the time. It's so hard to just be. And I worked with a nutritionist when I was trying to figure out some gut issues and and clean up my diet a little bit. And he recommended that I chew my food. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> like, hello, I chew my food. And of course, you know, I was chewing twice and swallowing and um, and just inhaling food and like, We're so distracted that how can we possibly know what we need and know when we're satisfied and when we're not, if we're, if we're not um, turning off the noise, you know? So that was a big part of it. Evelyn Triboli, do you know who she is? Mm -mm. She's like the godmother of intuitive eating. She actually started intuitive eating 25 years ago
0: Mm, and
2: she, I just had her on my podcast, but she has like 10 different principles and one of her principles is eating, For satisfaction, and I was like, "Oh, it's not eating till I'm full." Because sometimes I don't know what full is. Mm -hmm. It's not eating before I get full. You know, it's like just this concept, like, "Okay, eat until I'm satisfied." And if I can turn off all the noise, and sometimes, obviously, I'm like listening to a podcast or whatever. Life happens, Mm -hmm. but I can recognize when I'm satisfied and when I'm slowing down. When I'm taking time in the morning to do my meditation and to to ground myself and do the things that I know help me so that I'm in my body. Otherwise, I'm like fight or flight all day because we can just pick up our phone the second we wake up and start running and get the emails and da, da, da. And like, of course, we're not going to feel anything. So I make sure that I'm doing all these other foundational things so that when it comes to the eating part, I I can recognize like my cues.
0: I think even just like asking when you said intuitively and being able to slow down, even just that moment, like to ask yourself, mm-hmm. how do I feel? Mm-hmm. What do I need? You know, mm-hmm. and even if you are busy, it's just like that one moment that is that can be, you know, make make such a difference. It's
2: like mindfulness. Yes. You know, exactly. And there, there are a lot of experts, addiction experts who talk about this and talk about our addiction to food and our addiction to just anything we can get our hands on now mm-hmm. and a lot of them say you know it really comes down to mindfulness and mindfulness is awareness and awareness is being present and being present is quieting the noise as much as you can and, and being in your body as much as you can so whatever you have to do mm-hmm. to to achieve that I think mm-hmm. is helpful
0: yeah um, last question from me I just found it really liberating cool that you've been so public about, you know, any work that you've had on your body, and you know, we live in LA, so I'm just like, okay, cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there, it doesn't um, shock me or make me feel any way. I really believe in people doing what what's best for them and what they want to do. But I'm curious, kind of like your journey with that, and you know, anything that you've learned in in getting that type of work done and how to also balance with just like loving your
2: body too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a complicated question. Mm-hmm. I get this a lot. How can you love yourself and also change yourself? For me, it was kind of, it was pretty deep. I mean, when I got sober, I had been living really hard for a decade, you know, staying up for two days, smoking a pack a day for 10 years. Wow. Um mm never washed my face unless I took a shower. Uh, I baked myself in the sun with like oil on my face. You know, I was like, it was a a hard 28. Wow, (laughs) Wow, I love it. Yeah, and, and so a few years into sobriety, you know and I, I, people ask like what did you look like before i'm like well i wasn't a monster you know i like started taking <laughs> care of i started taking care of myself and like wearing sunscreen and drinking water and like sleeping and you know i was a cute girl whatever but i felt like there were just things that i wanted to to look as good as i felt on the inside i think mm-hmm. that was a big part of it one of the first things i did was my nose and that i had wanted to do since i was like 12 i remember begging my parents
1: mm-hmm
2: for a nose job, which is another conversation in <laughs> itself. But I just, you know, I was always a little bit insecure mm-hmm. about it. So that was my, that was the first procedure that I did. And then a couple years later, um, I had hooded eyes. Mm-hmm. And after I turned 30, like Botox just wasn't picking them up. And I would, mm-hmm. people would always ask me if I was tired mm-hmm. and I, and people would be like, Oh, are you okay? What's wrong? Cause I just kind of had this like downturn mm-hmm. and and it's I didn't do it because of other people, but that was kind of the thing that I was like, well, if I can change this, you know, and and uh, improve a little bit, then I will. And so then I did a brow lift, but I think if anything, you know, it doesn't change how you feel inside. But if anything, it was empowering, you mm-hmm. know, because I was like, I can do this, like, and it is LA, you know, mm-hmm. it's always. I always say it's like getting your hair done here. It's just not shocking at all. It's it's not a big deal, and I think for other people, this having surgery would be a big deal. So there's a little bit of a bias for sure. But yeah, if anything, I was like, all right, I look I look like myself mm. when I was 20, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like before I started going down that road. And um, I think there is kind of an aspect that's like you look good, you feel good. So it kind of goes both ways. Love that! Yeah, it's beautiful.
1: What's your favorite thing you've ever done, like beauty wise? It could even be lasers, facials, anything.
2: I mean, the brow lift was really <laughs> life changing. <laughs> it's in my it's in
0: my genetics, so it's probably going to happen. What did eyebrows? What do you do a with the brow? Like lift? The, li- the lid, the lid kind of gets heavy. Yeah, my mom and nana. Yeah, I'll show you guys. My, be- my nana's had two. I'll wow. show you the
2: before <laughs> and after. I mean, it's it's they go in through your scalp, your hairline, two tiny incisions. So they do an they use an endoscope. Mm-hmm. And they just lift from there, and nobody really noticed that I did anything. Just my eyes looked a little bit brighter and more awake, and so that was that was a big one. I'm not encouraging anyone to go get a brow lift, especially now. It's like so out of control, right. and sometimes I wonder. I mean, just the surgery and the surgery on young people, and and like the before and afters of you know Bella Hadid and yeah. Kendall and Haley and all these people, and all I'm sure like. 18-year-olds are wanting to get surgery and are getting surgery. I know plastic surgeons who have so many young people that come in wanting to look like their filter and wanting to look like these girls. And they're like, "Uh, no, wow!" (laughs) but not everyone is ethical. So I never want to sound like I'm encouraging it. But I wanted to talk about it because there was nobody else talking about it. And I didn't know. I spent so much money getting Botox and getting filler. And I got threads, which are horrible. Don't do them. And all these different things when, you know, I could have just gone and had that procedure and called it a day. Mm -hmm. Um, But aside from that, you know, just like the basics, SPF, Mm -hmm. drinking a lot of water, eight hours of sleep, Healthy diet, you know, whatever that looks like for you. I don't like to be the food police. And I think just being like being fulfilled, you know, it's like happy people, fulfilled people are the most beautiful. It's so cliche, but I talk to a lot of plastic surgeons and doctors on my show too. And they're like, you can come in, I can do everything with my needle and I can give you surgery. And and if you're not happy and you don't have that joy within, you're not going to like what you see. And and, you know, you can tell when you look at somebody too. I don't know. I, I feel like people just kind of emit a different mm-hmm. kind of energy. hundred percent. So, um, and then I like Clear and Brilliant. <laughs> and oh Botox. yeah, I did that. <laughs> I did Clear and
1: Brilliant in New York like six years ago. And I liked uh-huh. it, but I didn't, I don't know. I
2: think if you have downtime, go for the Fraxel. Yes. Clear and Brilliant mm-hmm. is like a baby Fraxel. Yep. I'm doing one in a few weeks. I did like three consecutive Clear and Brilliance like three weeks in a row. Really? And you have to do a bunch, I think, to get like a lasting. What is that? It's a
1: laser. So they numb your face. It's a laser. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's like a resurfacing.
2: Yeah. I don't know exactly how it works, but yeah, I mean, it does. Just like blast it does your face off. They all do
1: just blast your face off and start over. You know? Well,
2: the I, nice I, thing with clear and brilliant <laughs> is like there, there isn't really downtime. Your face feels like sandpaper for mm-hmm. a few days, but oh, okay. you really do look Clear mm-hmm, and cool. brilliant.
1: It is, I guess. Um, I'm looking
0: at Tommy
2: over there and I'm like, lines, this is amazing. I guess fine lines, <laughs> sunspots, it's helpful for. Uh-huh. Cool. Yeah. yeah um, it, it really just helps. Overall yeah. clarity. Overall clarity. Yeah. yeah. You know exactly. I remember, yeah. I remember when up. I got it. I didn't need it at all. When I got it. And I was like, whatever.
1: <laughs> Let's do this. I, honestly, you know what? I was in New York City. I got on Groupon. Hello? Oh, Groupon, <laughs> I got <a> Groupon baby! <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, let's
0: do this thing," and then who knows? I haven't did the things got, I did with Groupon. Oh, I know. Honestly, wow. I did laser treatment with Groupon in New oh York City. Oh my God, tapas for two, tapas for two. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah.
1: Last question for me: What's your morning routine like? I know this is kind of like basic, but I actually mm-hmm. am interested in your morning routine specifically.
2: So I wake up usually around six thirty, and naturally, yes, unfortunately. Okay. <sighs> if I could sleep until like is eight or nine, no, he can sleep until like 11 or 12. Oh. I mean, we, we have to like drag him downstairs. <laughs> we like, at least come down and go to the bathroom and then go back to sleep. <laughs> he is, yeah, he is funny. I naturally wake up then. And I'm like, if I could have any superpower, it would be the power to sleep in mm-hmm. a little bit. It would make things so much easier. But I get up, I make my matcha, of course. And then I- Do drink. you put like
1: collagen in it
2: or anything? I go back and forth. Sometimes I do. Again, I kind of listen to what my body needs. Like if I feel like I need a little extra something, but I usually do matcha with like a macadamia nut milk and a little bit of maple syrup. And then I will do some journaling. I'll write a gratitude list, just five things I'm grateful for. I just recently started writing five things that make me happy also. Cause I was like, gratitude and and happiness are kind of different and it made me look at my days and how I'm spending my time a little bit differently like mm-hmm. am, am i aligned with what makes me happy or am i just like chasing you know the grind and all of that so
1: I i'll love do
2: that that's yeah, more so i'll do that and then i have this 25 dollar planner that i just got on amazon nothing fancy but i write down Everything that I have to do during the day, I always wake up with ideas and things that I remember that I have to do and people that I have to get back to. And I'm not really a digital person. I like to write it in my planner. So I'll do that and just get it out of my head because if I try to meditate with that stuff in my head, I'm like opening my eyes every two seconds to like write it in my phone or whatever. So I'll do that. I do some readings. I like to read Daily Stoic. Um, I read a lot of Emmett Fox. Mm. I am, what else am I reading right now? just whatever my morning books are that I have on rotation. Then I meditate 20 minutes and, oh, sorry, pray, then meditate. Then I do a workout, like a 30-minute workout, and then I'm, that's it. Then I go shower and I start my day.
1: And your workouts are?
2: Right now, this is not an ad, but I'm doing Obey Fitness. I know you are going to say Obey. Really? Oh, I've been like
0: thinking about trying that. Yeah. What is it?
2: It is amazing. I was just getting so with all the workouts that I was doing and um, you know I like to do mostly low impact things like Pilates and I'll go for walks but sometimes I have more energy and I'll do like a hit but I was doing BBG and I just felt like I was doing the same thing for years and obey is it's a platform they have over 5,000 on-demand workouts but they also have live workouts every day and you can do everything from like, Pilates, to yoga, to yoga sculpt, to dance, to high intensity, strength training. I mean, everything. Sculpt. And they have classes that are like 10 minutes. They have 28 minutes, which is what I usually do. They have 45 minutes. I mean, there's just so much variety. And you guys would appreciate this because it's in a very like brightly lit kind of like neon, cool aesthetic studio. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. Very upbeat. Super pretty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, They did actually give me a code that I put on Instagram. So I guess it it was kind of an ad initially, but Mm -hmm. I've been doing it all year and it's like, I wake up excited to work out because I can just go pick anything. And there's so much variety. Some days I'll just do like 10 minutes. Other days I'll do like a 10 minute hit, then do 28 minute yoga, you know, and get kind of like the heart rate going and that sculpting. So I've been really liking that, obviously. I (laughs) love that. that. Love That's it! That's amazing. This has been so
0: fun, so fun. I'm wow. really, really so grateful you same. came. Thank you
2: so much for having me, and I'm I'm what happy we met. And
0: I can't believe that you took my soul soul cycle class. That's crazy. I know. Oh, <laughs> I love the small world. That um, is, I, know. I love that. What is just to close out? You know, what is one thing you would say to your early twenties self, being in your thirties now?
2: Hmm. <laughs> A lot of people ask me this, and I'm like, "Well, I would start by telling her to like put down the blow. Like, let's lay off, that sister. Like, yeah, hear that, guys? <laughs> yes. Um, but it's I advice think, for
1: life. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but I think I would tell myself that, like, it's o- it's okay to be who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, I I didn't want people to know that. I had insecurities and I didn't want people to know that I felt confused and I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And so, back to what we talked about earlier, you know, I put up these facades and I was living so inauthentically. And that disconnect really fuels just self destructive behavior. So, I, I would go back and tell myself, like, just be you. Yeah. Love that. Thank Amazing. You. All right, guys. Thank you. We'll see you later. Love you. Love Bye. you. <laughs> Bye. Bye.
0: Thank you so much, Arielle. You can find more about Arielle on theblondfiles.com. Yes, and then you can listen to our episode on her podcast, which was so much fun to do. So we did a little
1: pod swap moment. And if you're new, welcome to Almost 30 Nation.
0: Yeah, so glad you're here. And we just want to remind you, we have a huge merch sale going on right now. The eco-friendly, sustainable, Almost 30 merch line designed by Danny of Daisy LA is super unique. Something we're so proud of. Uh, The most comfortable sweatshirts ever.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh.
0: Everyone that has it is like, this is the softest thing. They're so cute, so comfortable and locally made and sustainable. Really, really important to us. And right now all merch is 50% off. Mm-hmm. So check out our Instagram. All information on the merch sale is there. You can go to almost30.com. And we just want to thank our sponsors for this episode. As always, just bringing you brands we love and use ourselves. This episode is sponsored by Blue Blocks, Paleo Valley, Flex Fit. Better help and Feels. You can get all information on these brands and a discount code, of course, in our show notes, as well as on almost30.com. Just scroll down and click on Partners.
1: Yes. Thank you guys so much for joining Almost 30 Podcast on Instagram, Almost 30 Podcast on YouTube. We will see you on the next one. We have episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. Love you guys. We love you.